Thank you for listening and welcome back to Scary Stories from Camp Roanoke, the podcast where we tell you true scary stories. My name is Katie Wiggins. My name is Ian. If you want bonus episodes, we just recorded like an hour long bonus episode, which is basically just like British accent ASMR (laughs) of uh, me reading about uh, spirits of the wives of Henry VIII from The Ghosts of Old Europe by Hans Holzer. Uh, It's a book from the 90s. It's very like kind of calming, pleasant ghost story. So that's available uh, should be right now on Patreon. So if you'd like to do that, join up. Uh, Starting at $3, I believe, right now. And you can also get some t-shirts, some merch at TeePublic, our link. And if you want to email and chat, I've had some very sweet emails from people the last week. You can email, and also if you have a ghost story, that would be very cool, at letterstocamp at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. And I really appreciate the folks who have reached out on Instagram and uh, via email. And uh, I don't read reviews, but um, if you have said nice things, I really, really appreciate it. Okay, I think I've covered all my bases, but um, if you feel sad that that you missed out on uh, English accents and you don't have any room in your budget for Patreon right now, oh, worry not. Because I'm going to do some English accents. It's your lucky day, isn't it? Fish pie. Ian's still working on his... Squid. (laughs) He's, um, He's in the early stages. So... I'm going to be talking about, this is really exciting because I rarely cover a new show. I tend to kind of find the shows and the books that I like a lot and I Mm -hmm. stick with them. But this is a week my bonus episode is from a new book and our main feed episode is from a new show called Help! My House is Haunted! And it is from, it is on Discovery Plus and it is an English show featuring... A psychic who is a familiar face, certainly to me, uh, and anyone who has watched many episodes of Psychic Kids, Chris Fleming. So we do have one American and uh, and the rest are Brits. So I'm going to recap this episode for us. Realizing that the show Help, My House is Haunted, uh, being an English show, seems particularly cruel where you'd have to get Elp. My house is haunted. My house is haunted. <laughs> I mean, only if you're like the most Dickensian Cockney. But uh, <laughs> your point is well taken. So I, the show starts out off with my maybe my favorite one of my favorite parts of all ghost shows, which is like statistics corner. Oh yeah. Usually it's like thirty percent of all people have encountered a situation that they could not explain by moral science. One point five percent of those people have had an experience with a gu- like just the craziest so it starts out with the number of us believing in ghosts, spirits, and the supernatural is on the increase. People all over the UK are reporting strange visions in their homes. Luckily, there are three people who may be able to help. Chris Fleming, renowned medium. Jane Harris, paranormal researcher, psychologist, and historian. And Barry Guy, paranormal investigator and technical expert. So they are investigating homes across the UK using specialist paranormal equipment to gather evidence, communicate with spirits, and to find out what they want and to let them go. You know, the end. 
So this episode is apparently their hardest investigation to date. Whoa. So, of course, they have a Winnebago. And they are driving to Nuneaton in the Midlands. Sounds hungry. It's a very typical cute little town. Sort of midsummer murdery looking, but about 30% less quaint. Still okay. quaint, but just less. Okay. And they've been called in to investigate a house built on an old coal mine. Yeah, that sounds like it's going to be bad news. So since the first day she moved in, Julie Evans has been plagued by escalating levels of terrifying activity. Julie, she sort of gives like she would have been on Love Island in like the 80s. Wow, the hair would have been so big. That would have been awesome. I've got a letter. I've got a letter. I've got a fax. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So she's kind of, you know, that energy. And she goes, when we moved in, up in the upstairs bedroom, there was a Pentecostal in nail varnish. I think she means pentagram. Uh, Satanic verses written in nail varnish on the walls. And uh, a ram's head on another wall. And me and my husband just decided to clean it up. So she's basically saying that someone took nail polish and we're doing like, you know, a pentagram and satanic imagery around the room. Yeah, they moved into like Ozzy Osbourne's old place. (laughs) Actually, Ozzy Osbourne's old place, the place where the kids grew up, is on another show, uh, also on Discovery Plus, and Jack Osbourne investigates it. Mm. Yeah, it was weird to see him like in his childhood bedroom because it's a fucking mansion. And you're like, oh my God, I forgot. You're really, really rich. Okay, okay. So she's talking about uh, when they first moved in with her husband. And she says, the first day we stayed overnight, I heard my husband run up the stairs, open the door, and and I said, what'd you forgot? But he wasn't there. There was no one. And that was my first experience. So they get used to this presence, which they eventually identify as female, And they get used to, like, greeting her in the morning and just saying, don't scare me, please, and things like that. (laughs) And this all changes when her daughter hits 12. Puberty. (laughs) And things changed almost overnight, apparently. She says that activity got so intense she could not keep a babysitter for love or money. Uh, Because uh, just one instance she can think of was that one was sitting on the toilet realized there was no toilet paper so she ah! opened the <laughs> so she opened the door to find some and she sees a roll of toilet paper unfurling itself towards her down the hall whoa and that babysitter did not return you, i mean that ghost was sparing a square <laughs> she believes that something is dark and attached to julie's daughter Items would move around their rooms. Her daughter's TV kept turning on by itself. So she would start pulling the plug at night and it would still turn on to static. Whoa. So the team rolls up to the house. And it's basically like a totally featureless rectangular duplex. It's just like a rectangle. It it has no landscaping or anything. It's a little depressing. frankly. So Chris is going to do a walkthrough on his own. Chris the psychic. Mm-hmm. And Jane is going to talk to a local historian in the area. And Barry is going to chat with Julie's daughter, who apparently spurred the activity getting worse. So Barry is chatting with Jess, Julie's daughter, at a friend's house. 
and they're sitting on a couch that only is two cushions wide, and that feels really awkward for them to be sitting so close. And how old is the um, daughter now? I, she she could be she could be anywhere from like fourteen to eighteen. Actually, she's a teenager. Okay. Jess says when they first moved in, when she was six years old, as soon as she would get well, she first describes herself as a latchkey kid. When she was six, sure, she's quite young. Uh, she says that as soon as she would get home from school, it felt like when she opened the door, like something was rushing down the stairs to greet her and was really excited that she would home. She was home. And so she would lock herself in the kitchen and stay <laughs> there until her mom got back. This ghost is actually giving me like kind of like dog energy, the way that like it seems to bound up and down stairs and like two people and greet them. And, and also mess with toilet paper. Well, and then I'm also thinking of the toilet paper where it's like, you know, if I needed to deliver toilet paper to somebody in need, I certainly wouldn't roll it down the hallway. But a dog with no thumbs would just be like, I'm slapping this in your direction. I'm loving your theory. Back in the house with Chris Fleming, he's sensing a male presence who says, you'll find me underground. And he's thinking something about the history of the underground land will shed some light. At first, I was impressed by this because I was like, oh, my God, they're on top of a mine. Mm -hmm. But then I remembered in the opening when they're talking about the mining history, it's in the Winnebago and Chris is present. Mm. So it's like he knows that it's on top of a mine. So Jane is with local historian Peter Lee, who's going to tell her more about the town's history with mining. The area is apparently just a complete slab of coal and it has been mined for over 400 years. But following the Industrial Revolution, production dramatically increased and conditions were bad, uh, shocking, and terrible. Right, Industrial Revolution, England, capitalism, it's all going to go downhill once, once that happens. Yes. There were many mining disasters, and Peter says it was practically a monthly affair. So back with Barry and Jess, she describes that she has seen the figure and that it looks like a big man, broad-shouldered. And one night when she was in bed and her mom was in bed, they heard heavy walking up and down the stairs so loud that her mom yelled for her to go to bed, but she was already in bed. And she looks up and the figure is standing in the doorway looking down at her and she's terrified and she literally runs through it to escape her room. And all she can say is, it's like a black figure with long fingers. Oh my. So Chris is continuing his walkthrough alone. He confirms that he senses a male presence outside, but he wants to know if there's anything else inside. He can sense that there's been activity, but he's struggling to connect with anyone or anything. He's thinking whatever it is, is closely connected to someone in the house. So he decides to do an EVP session. I should say at this point, I'm like, is Chris a real psychic is he the real deal because he i don't know he's just always given me i've never felt compelled by the evidence that he has presented okay and that's where i'm at like at this point in the story so he does an evp session he asks about how the living people in the house's emotions might be affecting the spirit etc and he catches a quiet voice that could be interpreted to be saying i want you to go so Jane and local historian, he says there was a major mining disaster in 1915, which killed 14 people. Jeez. And crisscrossing the whole area are collieries, 
which use tunnel systems which regularly collapse due to rotted wood supports. But nothing specifically related to their house, just sort of like all around this area. Hmm, okay. So back to Barry and Jess. Barry says, do you think what's in the house is attached to you? And she says, I think what's in the house is different than what's attached to me. It followed me since I was a baby. And it, it's just a black figure with long fingers. And he says, and how many times have you seen him? And she says, probably about 12 or 13 times that I can remember. So Chris, after walking around the property and he feels the house might have, he says it has like a a daddy spiritual and he does not say daddy. This is my language, <laughs> but like a daddy spiritual energy, which brings in little imps and devils, which are just little annoyances that won't stop showing up until the big daddy spirit is gotten rid of. So that's like his prognosis. Okay. So they regroup and they all meet the girls who will bring them inside the house. The mother and daughter sort of give like Lorelai and Rory vibes if they had grown up in the Midlands of England. Okay. So if they were old English. (laughs) Not from New England. Yes. So Jess, (laughs) and her name is Jess. (laughs) Um, Jess tells them that the spirits are already revved up and that they're not happy that the team is there. So they go into the kitchen and Julie and Jess are going to lead this like EVP session. And Barry is going to record their work with a digital recorder. And there's a temperature reading device which measures ambient temperature in the room. And it also goes off when like someone touches it or gets really close to it. Okay. They also have a few candles lit in the center of a table surrounding a a plasma lamp. Whoa, okay. Like a glass sphere that has these like lightning-like little trails inside around the central electrode thing. Oh, like one of those like Spencer's gifts, like you touch it. Yeah, it's, I've mostly seen it used as a toy, never in a paranormal context. Well, this rocks because those are sick. (laughs) Yeah, and, and I'm not like on a high horse. I mean, we're trying to talk to fucking ghosts, so... You're not going to find me shaming them for the toys and shit that they're using to communicate <laughs> because the Ouija board is literally a toy and it's apparently so effective that people are terrified to use it. So there you have it. So Jess asks, they're like, do you have anything to say, Jess? And she's like, well, may. And then they all hear a bang upstairs and Chris goes, are there imps here? <laughs> Is there a demonic entity that the imps serve that is coming and going from this house? So they review the recorder and listen back. And after he asks if there are imps, they apparently get a voice saying, fuck you. (laughs) Julie is like, what exactly is an imp? And Chris says there's a variety of them. And what happens is if anybody does a conjuring, they can start coming through a like a gateway. It'll start to affect people. Objects will disappear. Things might go flying around the room. Uh, they will stake out a place and then a major demon will come in. Okay. So they hear another sound upstairs. So they decide to relocate up there. And this is where they pull out the spirit box. And Jess asks, why are you here? Why are you after me? Do you want Chris to help you move on? And then they hear a a yes. Whoa. Then they all hear, they all feel like a weird floor vibration. Okay. And then Barry asked the women to take them to the room where the markings were on the walls. And they're like, 
that this is the room we're in right now is that room and that there was writing on every wall and barry asks would it be possible to wipe clean part of the wall and julie's like if you must (laughs) i I think that was like a weird intense thing to do like no we're not going to strip the paint from to reveal the satanic imagery jesus so this is all in preparation for the investigation at night so they they Put cameras everywhere. It's on. At this point, I'm like, as I'm watching this, I was watching this one because I was hoping for some, like, truly unsettling activity, whether demonic or otherwise. I was just like, I would love to get some fucked up shit. Uh-huh. Because we watched that earlier Kindred Spirits episode where it seemed like there might be something demonic and then it was just like, you know, human and sad. <laughs> and, and I was like, oh, I would love for there to be something... That is actually demonic. But I, as they were describing what was going on, I just like wasn't really getting that sense. But they kept really going down that avenue. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, mm, okay. So my skepticism is like a little up at this point. And I vet my new shows pretty hard. I was, I, I think I do. I think I have watched an episode of this show with you. Um, if I'm remembering these people correctly and their Winnebago and their, like, kind of roles, uh, in their little, like, D&D ghost hunting party. (laughs) Um, I do think it's funny that I feel like real effective devil worshippers are usually not, like, leaving their pentagrams behind. Like, I feel like those are kid. like, that always feels like something that, like, young people are, like breaking in there with like a handle of Everclear and like drawing a pentagram and being like ooh spooky and then leaving and then people find it and they're like oh my god and I'm like I don't know I feel like uh you know real druidic worshiper types are like in a hood with a pentagram I'm sorry a pentecostal of salt (laughs) you know that's something that just like blows away it does seem very juvenile it's literally was done in nail polish but I would like to say that it's pretty heavy metal I mean, it's, you know, very heavy metal to find something fucked up on your walls. And and it's also, like, kind of a depressing house in England. Like, (laughs) we were talking about, like, that's, you know, Black Sabbath. Heavy metal was born there and for a reason. Uh, You know, shit was dark. Um, So Barry and Jane walk into the house while Chris stays downstairs by himself, like, regrouping for a minute. I don't know what he's doing downstairs, actually. He's, like, not mic'd, but he's just, like, downstairs, weirdly. I don't know. (laughs) So, like, he doesn't get his own section. I don't know what he was doing. So, Barry and Jane walk into the house. They've got the SLS camera going on the stairs, which is the one that captures the stick figures, which you like so much. And they capture a, a tall stick figure by the door at the top of the stairs. But then it disappears. And I find this tool kind of ridiculous because... You just don't like to see ghosts grooving out. <laughs> you, don't, you don't like to see them skanking out of a mirror. Because I have no understanding of how the technology works. And it gives ghost hunters the ability to just point something at a room and there be a supposed entity there with no other evidence other than this weird little camera which is you know measuring who knows what it feels like it probably is just measuring like temperature difference and then anywhere it senses a temperature difference it like maps a stick figure on top of it do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. because they're always stick figures it's never just like oh there's just a blob Mm -hmm. 
it's always a full stick figure. So I feel like it just primes you to to think that there's a person or something there with no other evidence. And I'm like, get a flashlight that is really easy to turn on or off and put that in the middle of the room. Like put a ball on the ground and say, roll it. Like I want some like very, very practical, straightforward little gauges. Mm-hmm. Call me old fashioned. So, so then they hear a noise and they go downstairs to try to figure it out. And Chris is down there. He pops out and he's just like, it wasn't me. I was taking pictures of trails off. I don't know what he's doing. And they think, <laughs> and then they realize somebody goes, oh, like a huge gasp. And then the camera person is just like, oh, there's like some running and shuffling. And it's because they realize that the cross, apparently, that was on the wall had fallen to the ground. And they think that that's what the sound was. Yeah, that's okay. Cool. So there's a pretty great scuffle around this realization. And it's been a while since I've seen a good scuffle on TV, on Paranormal TV. So that was good. Keeps me young. <laughs> so then they split up after that. And, and Chris says something like, he's like, yeah, the demonic will, will do that to be intimidating. And, you know, we're not afraid of you. But uh, some of us, some of us have been a little affected by that, I think. Yeah. I feel like also it's probably pretty appropriate to be scared of, like, demons and the devil uh should that be the case so they're like i'm not scared of you and i'm like maybe supreme evil should you know make the hairs on your on your neck stand up a little bit <laughs> yeah really so then they split up jane stays in the kitchen with the plasma lamp yeah, nice. to be explained that would and be one me. of the one of the t- <laughs> i'll just be in here playing with this one of the temp rem pods that beeps if anything gets near it and senses temperature so that's in there with her. And Barry and Chris go upstairs to a bedroom and both of their, and they have a REM pod up there too. And both of their REM pods go off at the same time for both groups, which is fun. Chris is in the bedroom and he asks the recorder, they've got a digital recorder, and he asks, what are you? And right before the REM pod goes off, it says, apparently, imp. Whoa. <laughs> Yimp. In the kitchen, Jane sees what she thinks is a dark shape, like a bit shorter than the kitchen counter, sort of zip through the room. <laughs> then they move to the room with the former symbols on the walls, and Jane asks for the entity to make its presence known, and two devices in the room goes off. I struggle with these devices because they have so many of them out, and there's so many people in the room that they react to some beeping, but not all beeping. Mm-hmm. like there will be just like errant beeping and it's like oh it's just because the cameraman walked past it or you know what i mean like mm-hmm. i don't know it's just hard for me to take it seriously i think it's also like when places get super teched out like with all of their different like electromagnetic nonsense like and there's a ton of it and then you'll see occasionally in the background of shots just these like crates of like cables and plugs and i'm like there's gonna be a lot of electromagnetic activity in this house Mm. just because of everything being plugged in and currents moving and like all sorts of stuff like that so like I agree that I feel like the more stuff that is present at any given time, the more likely I feel like they would react to one another mm. um, and be have a little bit more of a uh, a feedback loop. 
Yeah, that is what it felt like. It felt kind of chaotic. It didn't feel like they were really sitting quietly waiting for something to really happen. It felt like it was like, huh, huh, what, huh? <laughs> Not to be a negative Nancy, but I, mean, I take it this did... shit seriously. It's my job. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a paranormal expert. <laughs> I do think it, it is interesting that Jess saw like a little galloping Mothrigan run across the... Uh... I mean, but she didn't though. She was sitting in a dark room and she saw what she thought was a, a darting dark figure. Listen, if we're going to start doubting dark figures in dark rooms, then the whole <laughs> psychomantium idea is out and we can't have that. <laughs> so they're in the room with the symbols on the walls. Two devices in the room go off. Then Barry asks are you a demon (laughs) and they go off again and they're all like oh my god it's the demon so then they get out the obelisk four which is this weird little device that basically has like a database of words okay on different frequencies so then they like choose the words and it says it whatever okay so they put that against the wall where the like symbols were Mm -hmm. and it says apocalypse follow 13 and then yeah. the REM pod all goes off as well and it's i was just like of like a heavy metal like... song and then barry says in all the years i've been using the ovalis it has never given such clear responses <laughs> so um chris also says that it has said the word orimus which someone googles and apparently it's latin for let us pray okay and at this point i was very like that's very perfect isn't it which is said before short prayers in the Catholic Mass. And they're feeling freaked out by this, apparently. Chris is, like, completely unbothered, moisturized, and in his lane. <laughs> he, 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 does not, he does not seem bothered by this at all. Which is another red flag. Because I've seen one of the Psychic Kids do some demonic stuff in the rebooted Psychic Kids one, where they brought the old Psychic Kids to be Psychic Adults to help the new Psychic Kids. <laughs> Help me, help you, help them, help me, help you. Exactly. And there was some demonic energy in one of the girls' houses, and they had to bring in the second guy. I actually covered this episode. It was awesome. <laughs> and um, the investigators were really affected and, like, not happy to be doing that investigation. Mm-hmm. And Chris is just like, okay, cool. So we're dealing with a demon. Great. Love it. Like, he's just, like, completely taking it all in stride. And I'm like, red flag. <laughs> You said your name was Azazel? Interesting. Okay. Interesting. Just wait. Just fucking wait. So then they ask, who do you serve? And the ovalist literally says, Satan. Hell yeah. (laughs) And they ask again, and it gives the same response. And then they also apparently get, these are imps from the device. So then Chris starts doing some channeling. Okay. Yeah. Sure. And this is where he really lost me. (laughs) You know, I thought the way you framed it earlier, it was gonna, you were gonna increase your, um, like, you were gonna lessen your skepticism, and, uh, no, that is, apparently, skepticism is at an all-time high. No, because I have basically made a study of watching psychics, and never have I ever seen a psychic that I have felt was truly gifted in a weird way. They never channel anything. Never does like a voice speak through them that isn't theirs. Mm -hmm. And the first psychic that I ever trusted and was disappointed by, uh, the psychic on uh, Most Haunted when I was, you know, years ago, he used to channel like people Mm. through him. 
And so I'm very skeptical of psychics who who do that. That's why you got to stick with demonologists. <laughs> exactly. All they do is stand around and wear an amulet and say, yes, this is very dangerous. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. <laughs> so I don't necessarily think that there aren't spirits in the house. I think that these women are telling the truth. Sure. Yeah. But channeling as an action is just very hokey to me. So he lays down on a bed and he's and he tries to open his mind and he immediately like <gasps> reacting as if something is like grabbing his throat. Okay. And he's like, what are you doing? And then he goes, he goes, I won't fall for your tricks. Like the demon is speaking through him. And he literally does like a, you will not best me. And he's like, no. And he's like, like, you you understand. (laughs) I do. And I mean, just to be clear, there are uh, other people around here watching this happen to him, right? They are watching this like being truly spiritually changed. They are watching this being like, Oh my fucking God, he's channeling a fucking demon. So then he settles down. Then they listen to some EVP stuff, which they don't really play for us. They're just like, they just have it somehow. Okay. Okay. And then he hears something and he says, it's like semen or shemen or zeba or something, which like... There's like a hundred demons that have names similar to all of those things. I would imagine being the demon that that gets called (laughs) semen. (laughs) The semen demon? I mean, mean, there are semen demons, but they're not called semen. Anyway, uh, so then Barry does some Googling and he's like, did you mean... He was like, say what you think it said again. And he was like, Shima Ziba. And he's like, yeah. Zipa, Zipar, and they're like, oh yes, and that's of course a demon. And he sure. says he reads, he's reading his phone, and he says it's a demon who's apparently not easy to work with because he tends to mess with occultists and is capable of seducing women and taking human form. So I did a little bit of journalism. Oh, and I also googled Zipar. I actually and- also just googled Zipar. <laughs> So this is what the Occult World website had to say about him. The demon Zipar is a fallen angel and the 16th of the 72 spirits of Solomon. Zipar is a duke who appears wearing red clothing and armed as a soldier. He makes women love men and can transform them into other shapes until they have been enjoyed by their lovers. I'm curious what that means. Alternatively, alternatively, he makes women barren. He commands 26 legions of demons in hell. Okay, well. He's a duke, a demon duke. So I don't do a lot of demon stuff often. So as a refresher on where this information is coming from, it comes from the Ars Goetia, which is part of the Lesser Key of Solomon. And the Lesser Key of Solomon, Solomon, also known as the Lemegeton Clavicula Salomonisa. (laughs) <laughs> my bed just like burst into flame. Yeah, it was like my eyes went fully white when you said that. <laughs> Is an anonymous grimoire of demonology compiled in the mid-17th century, most mostly from materials a couple of centuries older. And it's divided into five books, one of them being the Ars Goetia. Goetia. 
I also heard that they split the fifth book into two movies. Um, I mean, it was a little self-indulgent, but... (laughs) So, I couldn't find any words that were anything close to describing Zepar as someone who is hard to work with for occultists. That felt, like, very much made up. Okay. So, their plan is to remove the demon, then the imps, then the human spirits of miners who may be trapped. So now Chris is basically going to conduct a fucking exorcism. So he's praying to God and doing a ritual. He's using, I assume, holy water and he's splashing it around the room. I assume holy water. He could just be making a mess. I mean, he's just (laughs) splashing liquid around. Maybe he travels with holy water. I don't know. So as they walk into the kitchen, they hear the spirit box say, it's over. And then Jane smudges the home. And the house is clean. (laughs) This investigation is over. Huh. Yeah. And at that point, they just had completely lost me. I was like, oh. And and particularly with like a, it sounded like semen. And he's like, (laughs) Zipar? Oh, my gosh. I'm also like, I'm looking at this list of like, uh... Uh, the 72 demons and I'm like Z- yeah Zipar's on there but I'm like there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of like S blank you know we have Sabnock the Marquis Sabnock and <laughs> um, there's one other one I just saw that was similar we have Prince Siri or Seer like S-E-E-R-E there's also President Amy uh, what? yeah President Amy is a demon uh, from the Lesser Key Solomon. Uh, I love scrolling through lists of demons because it's like, this demon teaches liberal arts. President Amy uh, appears initially as a flame before turning to a person and they teach astronomy and liberal arts. Wow. Uh, they give familiars and incite positive reactions from rulers. That's my president. I think all the demons are male, too. It is. It definitely says he, but it's President Which Amy. Which I really don't like. By 2026, I want 50% of the circles of hell dukedoms to be held by women. <laughs> uh, we have hired a demonic DEI officer to get some uh, diverse uh, equity into our lesser key of Solomon. So the next bit is them chatting with the family the next morning, which I was dreading because I was like, oh, these poor women are going to be so fucking terrified. <laughs> In what I think was just like a, you know, a wacky spirit attachment and, you know, some some goofiness, which probably could have been, you know, whatever, handled. They show them what they captured and they show the bit where it says, who do you serve? And the response is Satan. Satan. And the girls are shocked and not happy about this. Julie, the mom, goes, well, Satan here. <laughs> no, he sent an emissary. And Chris literally goes, No, no, don't worry, don't worry. He's got, you know, bigger things to do. Not him speaking for Satan. First of all, according to most Christians, he does not have better things to do, and Satan is everywhere trying to tempt everyone constantly. But also, like, Chris, what bigger things is he doing? What? I can't with this. And Julie literally says, I never thought it was this bad. It didn't seem demonic. Which is like, I feel like very rarely are people like, we thought it was just a garden variety ghost. Turned out it was a demon. It was a duke from hell. Usually, if you have a demon, like, you know it, you know? Yeah, you get some three scratches and... Yeah, uh, scratches, violence, uh, depression, 
just like oppressive, crazy environment. Anyway, their stuff feels way Pictures more... Pictures pol- Jesus breaking <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> their stuff feels way more poltergeisty to me, personally, especially because it ramped up when the daughter was pubescent. Mm-hmm. And this is so embarrassing, I can barely watch it. So then they show them the tr- they show them the trance with C- when Chris went into, and these poor women are so freaked out at this point. Well, actually, only the mom is freaked out. The daughter doesn't really seem to be reacting, which maybe she thinks it's bullshit. Yeah, if someone was showing me, they're like, "And this is me channeling a demon in your house," and then they have like a full on like, oh, "Who do you serve, devil?" <laughs> <laughs> like it's like, all right, Chris. So, um, so they talk more about this demon and Julie is just so freaked out, but they're like, it's okay. Cause it's over now. We handled it. And as they're like, you know, patting themselves on the back, loading into the Winnebago, <laughs> Barry is like, this was the most difficult and scary investigation I've ever done. And they're all very pleased with themselves and they drive away. Newly minted demon hunters. I... The end? You know... This is why I stick to my stuff. (laughs) This is why I don't branch out. There's something that... If... If... This house had imps that were serving Satan... Like, again... Prime evil... Like, biblical capital E... Registered copyright evil... Um... This three group of assholes is not going to banish a demon. Like, <laughs> there's not a single robe among them. I but none of them wore amulets. Like, if I'm remembering correctly, I feel like um, uh, I feel like Barry's wearing like a like a tactical vest. You know, like he looks like an assistant director. Um, he's the tech expert. Yeah, he has to wear that. But I'm just like, nobody that's ever worn a cargo vest has ever banished a demon. Like, <laughs> All right, folks, watch it for yourselves on Discovery+. Plus. Uh, let me know. Do you think that this show is, is the real deal? Or do you think it's better used for ambiance in the background? All right. Have a spooky night. Oh, you should say filled with restless dreams. dreams. Okay, of haunted things. Very good. All right, we'll see you next week. Bye bye. Bye bye. Not him speaking for Satan.